few weeks ago, I saw uh, online a saying or a proverb. Uh, I, I tried to find out where it came from originally and, and couldn't find it. Um, there are several different versions I found online, but here, here's the one that I read. Eat and drink together, talk and laugh together, enjoy life together, but never call it friendship until you've wept together, which is profoundly true, that there is a, a deepening of relationship that happens when you go through struggles with someone when you are there for someone or, or when someone is there for you. If you've been through difficult times or loss or tragedy or times where you were uncertain as to what you were supposed to do, chances are you vividly remember who showed up in those times. You never forget who was there, who was present. And maybe they didn't solve the problem for you. Maybe they didn't fix the problem for you, but they were there for you that, that you could you could express what was happening in your life. There's, there is power sometimes in just saying things. Just, just stating the problem often moves us toward a solution. Uh, Mr. Rogers felt that way. Uh, he believed that being able to talk about something was part of the process of being able to process whatever it was. He had a fairly well-known saying. This is the short version. Anything that is mentionable is manageable. That was kind of his approach. Anything that's mentionable, if we can say it, if we can bring it out in the open, if we can put it on the table, then we can begin to deal with it. As long as we keep it hidden, as long as we're afraid to talk about the subject matter, then we can never get to the point where we process it or, or where we begin to solve whatever the problem is is. The longer version of that quote goes like this. Anything that's human is mentionable, and anything that is mentionable can be more manageable. When we talk about our feelings, they become less overwhelming, less upsetting, and less scary. The people we trust with that important talk can help us know that we are not alone. So kind of two parts. There, there is the mentioning it. I have to be willing to say it. But then there has to be somebody on the other side of me saying it. Those people help us process the things that are going on in our life. Is One of the unique things about his program is that it wasn't just children's entertainment or funny songs or action or puppets. Uh, Mr. Rogers often would bring up really hard issues. If there, if there was a tragedy taking place in the world at that time, he would talk about that because he believed if it's mentionable, it's manageable. If we can talk about it, if we can bring it out in the open, then we can begin to make changes. 20 years almost, almost 20 years after his death, we find ourselves at, at an interesting time when it comes to what's mentionable. Uh, the things that we talk about, and, and more specifically, the places where we talk about important uh, subject matters. And, and, and maybe you'll agree with this, maybe not. This, this is my observation. I, I think we live at a time where people tend to overshare publicly and undershare personally. They overshare in public but we undershare in person. Um, we, have, we have platforms now, mechanisms 
where we can share all of our feelings to a lot of people all at the same time. You've had the same experience I've had. You've been scrolling through social media, Facebook or Instagram or, or, or Twitter, and you come across something and your first thought is the whole world did not need to know that about you. Okay, maybe two or three people really close to you needed to know. The rest of us didn't need to know that about you. The world didn't need to know how you felt about that. Everybody didn't need to know that was going on in your life. We're at a place where there's all of this public sharing, but as much public sharing as we do, I'm afraid there's less and less personal sharing with a real human on the other side, with somebody who can give us feedback or, or, or who can give emotion to whatever it is we're sharing. We, we share publicly, but I'm concerned that we're not sharing personally. When, when one of the most valuable gifts that we can give to another person is just to be there in their struggle, to listen to whatever emotion they're trying to process, to to, to be on the receiving end of whatever emotion they're currently trying to work through. And that's, and that's challenging today. It's challenging, like I said, because we tend to substitute public expression for personal expression. That, that seems to be our shortcut, right? We have this shortcut of sharing with everyone that works to limit us or, or inhibit us from making the time to share with another person. Right? You, you've probably had the same challenge that I have sometimes, is that sometimes people expect you to know everything that they shared on social media, and then they get mad that you didn't know about this terrible thing that happened, and you have to convince them, I don't read every one of your posts and memorize them. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't spend all of my time on that platform. Uh, it's, it's, it's become this sort of shortcut for sharing our emotions and then expecting everyone else to know how we're feeling. Not only that, but the simple act of sharing is difficult sometimes. To mention things, it, it's hard sometimes especially to mention it in front of another person, to receive their response from what, whatever it is that we're, we're sharing. That's hard. That takes time to develop. You probably will never have a hundred friends that you can do that with. It takes gaining a trust and spending time and walking through difficult circumstances with people to gain the trust enough to sit down with somebody and say, can I tell you some hard things that I'm dealing with? Can I unload on you? Maybe you use that terminology. Can I unload on you? I I need somebody to talk to. The more we have pseudo-relationships online, I fear the less we have real relationships in our lives. So, So we end up with people who say everything online, but say almost nothing in a personal conversation. The Bible again and again emphasizes our need for human relationship and human connection. It doesn't take the place of God. It can't, it, it can't 
supersede our relationship to God. But the Bible is very clear from beginning to end. We were created to need each other. We, we were created to depend on each other, to, to, to value relationships with each other. Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 6. I want to give us just kind of a running start before we get into Galatians 6. In Galatians 5, Paul ends that chapter talking about the spiritual life or what he calls life in the spirit or life by the spirit, walking with the spirit. What would it look like if you and I were just constantly yielded to the work of the spirit in our lives? And Paul says, well, it would look like some things getting out of our life. We would get rid of some things that are in our life. And then we would, we would grow in some other healthier ways. Paul calls those ways the fruit of the Spirit. This is what the Spirit produces in us. And you may be familiar with that list. It includes things like love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, kindness, goodness. Those sort of things. Paul says, if you're living according to the Spirit, that will become more evident in your life so that you can live out what he discusses in chapter 6. This is verse 1, Galatians 6, brothers and sisters. If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. So, chapter 5, here's what's happening in your life. Here's how you're growing as you're living according to the Spirit. Oh, by the way, he says right at the end of chapter 5, don't get arrogant about it. Don't become prideful. Uh, don't get conceited about it because, beginning of chapter 6... We all fall, we all fail, we don't always measure up, we don't always get it 100% of the time. When that happens, if you love somebody and they've fallen, then gently come alongside them and help them get back on track. And, and then hopefully somebody will gently do that to you when you fail. So we need each other in this sense of keeping each other moving in step with the Spirit. But when Paul moves to verse 2, he broadens that. That we don't just need each other when we sin or when we're failing. But the, in general, we all carry struggles in this life. This is what he says in verse 2. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So yes, be gentle and help each other when you fail because you disobey God, you, you sin. But we know not all struggles are sin-related specifically. All of the trials that come into your life, the tra tragedies, the losses, the difficult decisions, the, the hard places, there's not always a one-to-one -one relationship in the fact that you messed up somehow and now you're struggling. Sometimes we just struggle. That's the way life is. Sometimes life is unkind. Sometimes the circumstances of life hand us really hard situations. Paul understands that. And he says in verse 2, you've got to help each other out. You've got to carry each other's burdens. And in doing so, he says, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Which brings up the question, what is the law of Christ? What does he mean by the law of Christ? He defined that back in chapter 5, verse 14, where he writes, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself, which is what we've been talking about this whole series. 
When you carry each other's burdens, that is one way of fulfilling the law of Christ. And what is the law of Christ? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If, if you want to do that, if you want a practical way to do that, if you want to live out loving your neighbor, one way to do that, Paul says, is help other people carry their burdens. Now, there's an assumption when Paul writes this. He is implying something very specific. And what he's implying is that we're all going to have plenty of burdens. We're all going to have plenty of struggles. And no one's going to escape this life without struggles and burdens and hard moments. He is implying we're all going to have them. Hopefully we don't have them all the time. Like Hopefully your life is not just one big burden. Hopefully there are seasons when there aren't huge burdens in your life. But we're going to walk in and out of struggles in this life. Every one of us. Therefore, if you want to love your neighbor as yourself, then look around and find somebody and help them lift whatever they're going through. This word burden that Paul uses in uh, verse 2, it means a heavy load. It means an overwhelming load. A load that you cannot carry on your own. You were not intended to carry on your own. You're not capable of carrying on. On your own, an overwhelming load. We have those in life, don't we? Again, not all of the burdens are that way. Down in verse 5, he talks about a different kind of load. He writes, for each one should carry his own load. So verse 2, he says, carry each other's burdens. Verse 5, he says, you should carry your own load. Well, those are two different words. In verse 2, what we're helping each other carry are the overwhelming burdens of life. In verse 5, Paul's saying, you know what? There's some general responsibility kind of stuff that nobody can do for you. Nobody can take from you. You've got to kind of manage that day-to-day stuff. There, there are some things you're personally responsible for, whether that's in life in general, whether that's spiritually. Like there's some things spiritually I can't do for you. Uh, no one else can do for you. There's some things in your personal life no one else can do for you. They can't take it from you. There is a light load. There is a reasonable personal load that we all carry, but then sometimes life weighs us down with overwhelming burdens. This light load that he talks about in verse 5 is often used to describe a, a personal pack. A personal backpack. What someone would generally carry during the day as they're going about their business, going to work, going to shop. It's it's the general backpack like this of items that you are kind of personally responsible for. Only you can handle. Only you can manage. And all of us have one of those. All of us have certain things that I just need to take care of this. I don't need 10 people to help me with this. This is my responsibility. I need to take care of that. And he contrasts that. Paul contrasts that with your backpack load, which you're just kind of responsible for, is different from a beam that gets laid into your life. Yeah, you have some some daily things, some, some normal things that you just have to own. They're yours. You have to carry. They're your responsibilities. But sometimes life comes along and gives us more than we can continually carry on our own. Now, we might be able to carry them in the short term. We might be able to manage them in the short term and convince everybody that 
everything is fine. It's not that heavy. I got my backpack, but I got this, but I can manage and I'm doing okay. Have you ever lifted something that was really heavy and you were fine at the beginning and then a few minutes in, everything in your body starts shaking uncontrollably? Like your arms start shaking and your back starts feeling it. That sort of overwhelming load. Paul says, you're not designed to carry this by yourself. You actually should have people helping you. But often what we do is we carry it as long as we can until everything starts to shake. And then we kind of reposition it. Right? We, we turn it up this way and we throw it over our shoulder and then we start leaning over and then finally we start giving up and so we, we go through life like this. Like this is our life with our thing. And we're trying to convince people we don't have a thing and so everything we're trying to do, we're dragging this around and smashing it into everything. When what would help would not be you trying to carry it differently or even you trying to hold on a little bit longer. What would help, Paul says, if there were, is if there were someone in your life who could pick up that end or maybe somebody who could pick up that end and another person who could stand in the middle. Because you see, having somebody help carry your burden doesn't take the burden away. Right? It doesn't mean the, the beam disappears. It means I'm not alone in the struggle that I'm facing. I've opened myself up to somebody else. I've mentioned it. It has become mentionable. I've said it. And so, addition to all the other responsibilities that I have to manage, I need to open up to somebody else who will help me carry what I'm not capable of carrying on my own. The challenges. With doing that is, uh, are we building relationships in our lives where we can hand stuff off? Are we, are we doing the relational work on the front end so that there's somebody that I have the opportunity to mention it to? The, the other problems are, Sometimes I treat my beam like it's my backpack. Sometimes I say, I should just be able to handle this. It's not that big of a deal. I should be okay carrying this. Rather than saying, this is too much and I need other people's help. I, I need to confide in somebody Else, I think there, there are two huge barriers when it comes to this burden sharing in our life. And those two barriers are pride and shame. And they're, they're kind of the opposite ends of the same cor, uh, coin. They're so related, pride and shame. I feel too prideful to admit that I need help. I'm too prideful to say, this has become too much for me. I need to tell you about it. Maybe you can't fix it. I just need somebody else to know. Pride gets in the way of that conversation sometimes. 
because I don't want you to know that I can't handle it. Maybe I don't want you to know the details of what I'm going through. Maybe I don't want to invite anybody in to that room. Pride and shame keep us from sharing our burdens. I'm too ashamed that this is happening. I I feel too much shame that I'm in this situation. I'm too ashamed that I'm not strong enough for this. But but Paul, in his writing in Galatians 6.2, doesn't say you should be strong enough to carry your burdens. He said, you guys should get together and help each other carry your burdens. You should lean on one another. You need one another. For, For some people... It's not just a personal pride that keeps them from sharing the deep parts of themselves with another person, the, the, the struggles that they have with another person. For some people, it's, it's almost a spiritual pride. If I just prayed more about this, if I just had more faith, and we should pray, and we should have faith, all of that is true. But sometimes we get this spiritual arrogance that says, Well, if I just trust God enough, then I'll get through this. Well, if I just pray enough, then this will go away. But that's not what Paul says. Yeah, we should trust God. The Bible says we should give our cares to God. Here's a couple of examples. Psalm 55, 22, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. In the New Testament, Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you, of course. The Bible says when you're struggling, you absolutely should tell God about it. You absolutely should talk to God about your burdens. You absolutely should give your burdens over to God. But nowhere in the Bible does it prohibit you from reaching out to another person. The Bible doesn't say, cast your cares on God, but don't tell anybody else about it. It's just your secret with God. The Bible doesn't say, tell God all about your struggles, but then keep it to yourself after that. We have have these twin commands. Cast your cares on the Lord... And find people who will help you carry your burdens. Both of those things are true. I would even say that one of the ways God helps us carry our burdens is by giving us each other. Often God's answer to, will you help me with this problem, is for him to send us a a, a human, to send us a person who will show up and will be the comfort of God, sometimes the wisdom of God, sometimes the strength of God for God in our lives. If you read the New Testament, then you read a lot of Paul because he wrote a lot of the New Testament. Paul was one of the strongest, most resilient, determined, committed people you will ever read about. I mean, this guy was imprisoned. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was run out of town. Like he, he faced all kinds of opposition. And yet, Paul had this rich connection of relationships. Paul leaned on people. Paul needed people. This is 2 Corinthians, beginning uh, chapter 7, verse 5. Paul's writing. He says, for when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within, but God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. 
Paul says everything was going crazy, everything was falling apart, we didn't know what was going to happen, there was conflicts without, we had fears within, we were being harassed, we didn't know what was going to happen next, so we, we cast all our burdens on God. God, we're in trouble, help us. The response was for God to send Titus. How did God comfort Paul? He sent Titus. I think sometimes we're praying about our struggles and about our burdens and we're casting our burdens on the Lord. And maybe God is saying, look, I've sent two people. If you'll just find a moment and share with them, they will help you carry your burden. I've put people in your life. You need to get over your pride and shame, your hesitancy, your spiritual pride. You need to get over the sense that you're supposed to handle this by yourself and talk to them. God often sends his comfort through people. You find this all throughout the life of Paul. He's constantly talking about the people that he's close to, Timothy and Onesiphorus and and on and on. If you read the book of Romans, it's this powerful theological work for the Christians in Rome. But he gets to the end. He gets to the very last chapter, Romans 16. You can look at it sometime. Almost the entire chapter is just a list of Paul's friends. He uses the phrase, my dear friend, over and over in Romans 16. My dear friend, Epinetus, and Pliotus, my dear friend, my dear friend, Persis. He tells one woman, you've been like a mother to me. What we find in Paul is we find that he had developed this rich network of friends. When Paul says, carry one another's burdens, he's speaking from experience. He knew what it was like to struggle and have people show up and encourage him in his life. And he knew what it was like to do that for other people. He had this rich network of friends. For all of the things that you may want to uh, follow Paul's example in, and, and there's plenty, his, his theology, his, his boldness, his, his preaching, like all of these ways that we should want to be like Paul. Don't forget in this list. Just strive to be like Paul when it comes to the rich network of your friends. That's the question for you. Are you developing a rich network of friends? A rich connection with other people, burden-bearing, burden-sharing type of relationships, right? That have to be developed. That's why I use that word. That has to be developed over time. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in one meeting. It has to be developed. Paul obviously developed that over years and years, this rich network of friends. That is a spiritual issue. I mean, you can't read the New Testament, you can't read the life of Paul and not realize that friendships, relationships are a spiritual issue. Paul, one of the greatest believers you'll ever read about, had a rich network of friends. Are you doing that? And here's, here's just a suggestion. Waiting until there is a burden or crisis in your life to develop a deep friendship means you're doing it wrong. That's just from me to you. If you're Mr. or Miss Independent, I can do it myself. I don't need anybody. And then when the bottom falls out, you start trying to find a deep relationship. You're doing it wrong. Now, if the bottom falls out, reach out. Right? There will be people who show up anyway. But what you and I need is this 
ongoing connection to other people so that when they go through struggles, when I go through struggle, the relationship is already there. I can already call. They'll drop what they're doing. They'll come to me. We can talk, developing a deep network of friendships. Relationships, friendships are needed in our lives for comfort and for care. But they're also needed in our lives for refining, for refining who we are. Being in honest, truthful relationships with other people keeps me from becoming the extreme version of me. Did you know there's an extreme version of me? And did you know there's an extreme version of you? If you've wondered why things are so polarized right now, why people are so far apart on the extremes of our society about almost any and all issues, one of the reasons is because we just keep talking to ourselves and we just keep becoming the extreme version of who we are. We become a caricature of ourselves an exaggerated version of everything that I think and everything that I believe and all of my bad habits because I'm not in close enough relationship with another person for them to say, hey, I disagree with a little bit of what you just said. Or, I think you're right. The way you said it was terrible. I think your point is right. I think you came across really angry and sarcastic and judgmental. Part of this close relationship is to keep me from becoming the extreme version of me because nobody wants to meet the extreme version of me. And guess what? Probably nobody wants to meet the extreme version of you. But if you keep moving towards you without the balance of a network of friends, you're just going to become the extreme version of you. We, we need to carry the burdens of other people. But let's turn that around for just a second and ask this question. Can people trust you with their burdens? When somebody's dragging something through their life, does your name come to mind as someone that they would call, as someone that they would have the conversation with, as someone that they trusted enough, they, they could depend on enough to mention the unmentionable to you. To say what they can't say to anybody else, but they can say it to you. You see, before we can carry somebody's burden, people have to trust us with their burden. We have to become the type of person that they would turn to in those circumstances. How do we do that? A couple of quick suggestions. First, continually grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Everything that's happening at the end of Galatians 5 needs to be happening in our life so that we can carry other people's burdens in Galatians 6. Like joy and love and kindness and gentleness. gentleness. Uh, All of those things need to be happening in me as I'm growing and developing as a person so that other people would turn and trust me with the burdens that they're carrying. Second thing, move towards hurting people. If you want to be somebody who is able to carry the burdens of others, then you've got to move towards people that are struggling. We can't force ourselves into somebody's life. We can't force ourselves 
to, to, to force someone to talk to us, but we can move towards people who are hurting. I mean, in your life in any given week, it's obvious there are people there who are hurting. How do you move towards that person? Is that a, a lunch, a coffee, a text, an email? Move towards people who are hurting. And, and then third, just continually make time for relationships. Continually make this a priority that you are going to connect and you are going to reconnect and you're going to be available and you're going to do the inviting if that's what it takes. You're going to continue to pursue relationships. I think often there's a lot going on in the lives of the people around us and we don't know that because we haven't gotten past the surface level of relationship. I think a common theme over the next year, as people are coming back to church, as people are returning to their office, as people are returning to their life, as, as Zoom is getting less and less, and in-person meetings are starting to happen, and, and the office is filling back up. I, th- I think one of the things, one of the common conversations is going to be I didn't know you were going through that because we haven't been together the last year. I think you're going to discover and I'm going to discover that there was a lot more going on this past year than we even know about because we haven't been with each other. We haven't been in front of each other. We haven't been in conversations with each other, especially going forward. Continue to move towards relationships. I told you at the beginning of the series, I think, that the last Mr. Rogers Neighborhood was filmed in, August, in December of 2000, and it aired in August of 2001. And if you were alive and you have conscious memory of August 2001, you know what happened the next month. Right? The next month was 9-11. And some of you remember, uh, Mr. Rogers came back and filmed a series of short videos trying to be a voice to help children work through that time. And the line that stands out to us from that video series, for for most of us, it it wasn't new. It was something he had said before. But following 9-11, he said that his mother would often say to him, whenever he saw something scary, his mother would often say to him, look for the helpers. There will always be helpers. That was her counsel to him whenever there's a tragedy, whenever there's a struggle. Look for the helpers. There's always going to be helpers. What Paul said 2,000 years ago was be somebody's helper. Don't just look for the helper. Be the helper. Step in. Pick up an end. You don't have to ask 100 questions. You don't have to know all of the details. You don't even have to decide, is this a backpack or a beam issue? If somebody's struggling, just step in and pick something up. Just lighten their load. Be there for them. Because Paul says, if you do this, you will fulfill the law of Christ. You will love your neighbor as you love yourself. God, help us to pick up the burdens of others. We can't solve the burdens of others. We can't always fix the burden of others. We can't even shoulder all the weight of the burden for another person, but we can pick up one end 
Our encouragement can be a way that lightens the load. Our willingness to listen, our availability can lighten the load that somebody else is going through. Maybe somebody we're going to encounter this week. Teach us that real relationship and friendship is a spiritual matter. You have commanded us to be in relationship with other people. You've given us one another commands. And the only way we can fulfill the one another commands is to be in relationship with people. We exist in a world of pseudo-online relationships. And we, as your representatives in this world, need to break through that to bring what is real to our relationships, to bring what is real to our friendships, and to carry each other's burdens. Help us to be those people, not just to see the helpers, but to be the helpers. Help that to be us. In Jesus' name, amen.